This is a Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 268. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a Colored Pencil Podcast. Weekly discussions in and around this medium that we love so much. Hey there, welcome back to the show. My name is John Middick. I am your host and this is a Colored Pencil Podcast. Now last week you may recall that I spoke about imitation and the value of copying the masters. This week, I want to do a follow-up and talk to you about some things that I learned after doing a complete portrait copy. There is a figurative work by Angelica Kaufman, and I cropped it down to just the portrait and studied that. It was interesting, uh, humbling, challenging, and a little frightful, to be real honest about it. Um, I've done this before with sketches, which uh, I may probably, probably will never show anyone. Just some sketches of different famous paintings in my sketchbook. But this was a challenge to take a medium, you know, she did this in oils about 200 years ago, to take that particular reference of this painting and then to translate that into a different medium, the new medium of colored pencil. It was, I think, a worthwhile endeavor. And there are quite a few things that I think I took away from that particular uh, study. Now, I'll, I will say on the onset of this that after uh, several have uh, reached out to me and, and spoken to me about this, that there's some interesting things that come up whenever you're talking about this whole exercise of copying. So there's some discussions that I'm not really going to talk about today, but just to mention what they are. I mean, there's one whole leg of this whole thing of copying where, you know, you could talk about the whole copyright infringement kind of thing where, uh, and I don't have any problem with that on, you know, with copying masters from the past because the uh, the copyright has uh, l long since been expired. Okay. So it's been 70 years since their death. And so we're good there. But we, you know, you could you could talk about that with some modern day copying and you could talk about derivative works and you could talk talk uh, about just outright copying of, um, you know, still frames from movies, which is known as fan art. Right. Or uh, stills that were uh, published by different photographers. And then you'll have a lot of artists that will copy that work. Uh, all these things are derivative works or copies of copies because photography and videography is artwork and there are you know there are decisions and artistic decisions and choices that go into those things um so i'm not going to discuss that today i think we've i think i've done that in the past anyway that's one leg to this type of thing uh this umbrella topic of copying or studying right there's another leg uh, that, that came up, and uh, I was emailed uh, about this, and that is what – this was what was mentioned to me, that they see uh, – someone said that they see a lot of colored pencil artists copying other colored pencil artists. And, uh, yeah, I, I guess I could, I could see that. I, I do see that. I, I hear – 
even even those that I've interviewed on the podcast uh, from time to time will tell me that they learned this particular thing from so and so. You know, they'll name another colored pencil artist, or they'll even tell me, uh, "Well, this is a nod to this colored pencil artist," or uh, "This is something I picked up and I do now because of this other colored pencil artist." and I don't have a whole lot to say about that. I mean, I'll acknowledge the existence of that. Yes, that happens. I'm sure that happens in every medium, though. Copying your peers. I mean, I'm sure that happens. Now, we're all, um, you know, people that are, you know, we're artists who are influenced. We're influenced by everything around us. So who do you choose to be influenced by? I mean, that's really what it, I think, boils down to is, what do you look at? What do you uh, browse uh, when you're looking at images uh, or, you know, all the, the, the things that you take in through your senses? That all influences what you produce as an artist. And so you could argue the, the music has an influence. Uh, nature, uh, your surroundings, uh, what you look at every day, what you listen to every day, what, um, you know, and then the more obvious, what you... Um, you know, other artists that you look at, what what images you're looking at, right? And all of those things influence us. Yes, I'll acknowledge the existence of that. Now, I'm not going to make a judgment on that because I don't know that we can ever really say whether that's good or bad. I think it just is. I, I don't think there's anything harmful about it. I don't... I don't see that. I don't see anything uh, necessarily just very, very good about it. I mean, it just is what it is. And I think we all do it. I don't, I don't think there's any of us that are exempt from being influenced. I think we're all part of this ecosystem and we're, we're contributors as much as we are producers and, you know, it. It just it just is what it is. And so I I think that maybe just being aware of it uh, might help us in some ways. I'm not sure what those ways are, but I think it probably helps us just to be aware that we don't create in isolation. There's a famous quote. You could look it up uh, to see who it's attributed to. But it goes something like this. Everything is uh, derivative. Everything is a remix. There is no originality. And I think there's probably a lot of truth in that. You know, everything is a remix. We are influenced. Uh, and that's the reason. And that's what we're getting at is, you know, you, you copy something in order to remix it or to transform it or to combine it with your own ideas. Right. So I think that's the reason for wanting to do that, for attempting to look around with purpose rather than just being influenced and being oblivious or unaware that it's even happening. And so uh, that was my attempt is I'm wanting to do this with intentionality and with purpose and then to carry some of uh, the lessons that I learn over into my work. Why? Because I want to get better. That's always my goal. I, I don't ever see that ever stopping. Um, I, I see that as something that is, is continual. It's a, a constant thing that we cultivate in our life. And I do that in every part of my life as 
I'm sure you do as well. All right, so let's talk then about some of the things that I learned in uh, copying this particular work. And and then, uh, you know, I'm going to talk about some things that I'm going to be doing with some other works going forward. First off, this was, you know, a lady. And uh, she was, oh, I'd have to look back. I don't recall. I think probably in her uh, mid to late 30s. I could be wrong about that. Uh, when she did her, did her self-portrait. And what's interesting is she's got very, very fair skin. Uh, but the lighting is such that on one side of the face, it's extremely dark. So there is a lot of green that I used in that area. And on the other side of the face, it was very, very bright and very faint complexion. And so I used a lot of blue, actually, more blue than I typically would use in Caucasian skin. Now, most of the green that I used on the shadow side of the face was the Derwent Lightfast green called Olive Earth. Now, I used some other greens as well, and I used some dark, dark reds just to get a very, very rich tone in that area. And then in the background, of course, I use those same colors and a lot of red back there as well and some uh, brown ochre as well. I use the new Dark Indigo by Luminance, one of their brand new colors. Uh, I used a lot of the brand new colors by Luminance by Karen Dosh. And I created some very, very dark, rich skin tones, but a lot of green in the face. And that, uh, for me, was unusual. Now, it had something to do with the background, the overall uh, tonality of uh, this particular set of hues that she was um, trying to depict. Now, to be honest about it, I mean, I, I don't know what colors she used. I don't even know what this looks like um, in, uh, you know, her original oil painting. Uh, in person, all I'm seeing is digital representations of this oil painting. And so there's a lot of skewing due to that. I'm seeing, you know, uh, some photographer's rendition of what this oil painting looks like. And the other thing is we don't know what it looked like originally, you know, after photography came, came about and, uh, we started being able to reproduce even oil paintings that were done back in the 1600s, 1700s, um, the limitations that we had in the early days of photography were many. And so we weren't able to capture everything the exact way that it would be uh, represented in life. And some would argue we can't even do that today, but we can get a lot closer today, right, than we could a long time ago. But we're all still you know, a subject to uh, being able to think back through the lens of whatever it was they were attempting to depict, they being the master artists of the past. Okay. I think there is some value, though, going back and looking at what master painters have done uh, or master artists of any genre and of any medium, and then applying that to the art of colored pencil. But it was interesting while I was doing this, it was something just a little odd or weird about thinking about this painter looking at herself and 
depicting herself and thinking about the expression, the slight smile on her face, and all of the things that just make up this particular self-portrait. I also got really caught up on the technical aspect of the portrait, and I started thinking more about the expression, and I started caring, I think, a little bit too much about the intervals between features and distance between uh, different, you know, intervals like that, and I, I got a little carried away with that, and I I started losing my focus just a little bit. Instead of it being just on the color palette, the scheme, and the eyes, I really wanted to focus on the eyes more than anything. But that's what started distracting me is I didn't quite get the exact proportions on the eyes. So it bothered me. And so I was working on pastel matte, white pastel matte. And so I changed them up quite a bit. And I, I started looking at this a lot and thinking about it a lot and moving it around and putting it in different rooms and gazing at it, looking at it in the mirror, looking at it upside down, just doing all the things to try to figure out what is going on with these eyes and why am I not capturing this correctly? And so I started losing a little bit of focus on the hue and the color and the value structure of the piece. That's okay, I suppose, a little bit, but um, I really wanted to focus on the eyes and on the expression and the color. But if I narrowed it down to one thing, then it would be the depiction of the eyes, an accurate depiction of the eyes. Now, I never really got that. Uh, if you look at, at uh, the painting that I did, the drawing that I did, you would not look at it and say, oh, I recognize that right away. That is uh, a drawing or painting reproduction of Angelica Kaufman's uh, painting. Um, you, you wouldn't think that just by looking at it. And so in that way, I would say it was a failure in that respect. On so many other levels, it was a success. And so I had a lot of fun with it, learned a lot of things about temperature and color palette, especially with regard to a fair complexion, Caucasian skin with that dramatic lighting. And I love that. Something I have always loved, but it just gave me a chance to sort of flaunt uh, and expose even more that dramatic lighting in a portrait. So I did love it. It was a lot of fun. And there was just so many structural things going on that I was just left with my jaw dropping down to the table and uh, just thinking about how very skillful this artist is or was. And so it was very humbling because of that. All right. Um, I've got some more coming up and I'm going to do some eye studies in particular. I may have mentioned that last week. And uh, there's another one I'm about to uh, start on and I'm real excited about it. I'm going to leave that as a secret for you uh, and I'll reveal that very, very soon. And if you're on my Instagram account, uh, then you'll probably be able to see some of that over there. Of course, if you're a member over there in Monthly Sharpener, I talk a lot more about some of these things going on and show a lot more of the process and more details about what I'm doing and in real time. Uh, so get ready for that if uh, you're over there and if you're part of the member circle in particular. 
If you're not, why not? I'm really wondering why not. <laughs> There's so much great things going on over there. It's a very active, uh, community-driven platform, and there's so much to look at and to learn by just the rich conversations that are going on over there in Monthly Sharpener. So I encourage you to check that out, monthly-sharpener.sharpenedartist.com. Link will be in the show notes. This is a weekly show. I look forward to talking to you again next week. Until then, stay sharp. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.